Thank you, Georgia. In February of 1942, C.S. Lewis published a book entitled The Screwtape Letters. How many of you have read that book? Some of you here, yeah. The story takes the form of a series of letters from a senior demon named Screwtape to his nephew, Wormwood, who was a junior tempter. The uncle's mentorship pertains to the nephew's responsibility for securing the damnation of a British man who is known as the patient. The ultimate goal is to make sure that the patient fails to experience God's grace. Now, I love the way that Lewis writes, and if you read the book, it, it takes a little bit to kind of understand the language because the book is written from the viewpoint of the evil one. God is referred to as the enemy, and it does take a little while to get your head around the, the language and how Lewis is writing. But Lewis's insights are tremendous. He really hits the nail on the head as he describes the way in which we are all tempted. We all have temptations, don't we? We all have areas of our lives where God is calling us to a certain way of living, and yet the devil is trying to thwart us, to throw us off. Now, sometimes we joke about temptations. We even have desserts, mostly chocolate desserts, with that name in the title. But the evil one, the devil, is real, and temptations are really not a joking matter. The devil's mission is to throw us off mission. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Luke's account of Jesus' temptations. Shortly after Jesus is baptized, he ventures into the desert to be tempted by the evil one. Now, in Mark's gospel, which we're in Mark, this, um, we're in a series in Mark, uh, the, the account of Jesus' temptations are fairly brief. Mark, Mark simply says in two verses, At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. That's all Mark says about it. So we're going to step into Luke this morning to get a little more detail about what actually happened in the desert. So let me invite you to find your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 4. And we're told in Mark that Jesus was sent by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. And Luke tells us in Luke chapter 4 verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, what word do you see twice here in this passage? The word spirit, right? Jesus is led by the spirit, and Jesus is full of the spirit as he goes out. Now, Luke chapter 4, verse 2 says, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. So the temptation is not just kind of a one-time, in-and-out sort of thing. It lasts for 40 days. And the entire time, he's not eating. Now, maybe you've been a day or two without food, maybe for a medical procedure. Maybe you've fasted in prayer for a certain period of time, but for 40 days, right? I mean, he's certainly pushing the limits of the human body to be without food for 40 days. But again, he is filled with the Spirit. So Jesus' power here to resist temptation is not coming from his physical body. It is instead coming from the Spirit of God. Now, in verses 3 through 12 here, Luke outlines three temptations. Now, before we dive into each temptation, let, let's talk a little bit about who's tempting Jesus here. It's significant, I think, that this word here, uh, diablos, the devil, is used five times 
in this text that we're reading today. It's used 36 times throughout the New Testament. And he's described, this devil is described as God's enemy, as the adversary. Look at how Peter describes him in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Peter says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the diabolos, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so here we have Jesus having been baptized, stepping into ministry. He's beginning his ministry. He's getting ready to heal the sick, to proclaim the kingdom of God, to call his disciples. All that he's going to be doing, we're going to be walking through that here in the next few months. But at the very beginning, he goes to be tempted by the evil one. Jesus is led by the Spirit into this place. Now that's, it's, it's interesting to think of that, isn't it? Why would the Spirit lead Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted? I think there's something to be said here. I think we're understanding that the very first thing that Jesus needs to do in his ministry is to, to handle the evil one, right? If he can't handle the temptations of the devil, he won't be able to complete the work that he's come to do. Let's look together at how Jesus is attacked here. Temptation number one begins in verse 3. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now, notice how the devil prefaces this temptation here. If you are the Son of God. I don't think you really are, right? If you are, Jesus, prove it to me. You must be hungry, right? And look at those rocks over there. And if you've been to the Middle East, you might know the rocks are often round and in some ways resemble what might look like a freshly baked loaf of bread. And I could imagine the devil going on and on about how freshly baked bread tastes, right? When it comes out of the oven, it kind of melts in your mouth. And Jesus hasn't had food for 40 days. And he says to him, if you're the son of God, why don't you prove it to me by turning these stones into bread. Now, in some ways, we might think, what's the big deal, right? Jesus wants to turn rocks into bread to have a meal. He should be able to do that, right? But there's something at the heart of this temptation that's important. Jesus is being tempted to use his own power to fulfill his own desires. He's, been, he's being tempted to use this status as a son of God to provide for his own needs. And what we need to understand about Jesus, what we need to understand about his ministry, is that Jesus has not come to satisfy himself. Jesus has come to lay himself down for you and me. Throughout his ministry, he will put others first. Throughout his ministry, it will not be about his needs. It will be about the needs of others. And ultimately, he'll go to the cross and he'll give his life for you and me. So here this temptation at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry is that Jesus would operate in a mode of providing for himself. And he resists it. He says in verse 4, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. He's being tempted to draw from the physical. Instead, Jesus will need to be led by the Spirit. Jesus will need to draw his power, not from his physical needs, not from his physical body, but from the Father and the Spirit. And so Jesus responds with Scripture. He affirms that his strength does not come from the physical. Now back to verse 1. He's full of the Spirit. He's led by the Spirit. Not led by his own hunger, 
by his own physical needs, by his own desires. Again, he came to lay himself down for you and me. And this temptation here is at the heart of his purpose. If Jesus fails here, he fails in the purpose of his ministry. No, Jesus says, my strength and my power and my agenda do not lie in bread, in my own wants and desires. And here he fully connects to the Father and the Spirit. I think it's interesting. He says, if you are the Son of God, you'll do this, the devil says. You'll turn these stones into bread. But the fact that Jesus is the Son of God is proven by the fact that he does not give in to the temptation. and does not turn the stones into bread. He does not go off on his own. He does not give in to what the devil wants him to do. Now, the devil doesn't stop with this temptation. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 5 with me. But the devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Now you imagine Jesus and the devil standing at a high point, seeing all the kingdoms of the world. You have to wonder, are these all the kingdoms that have ever been, right? Could he have seen into the future kingdoms that didn't even exist in this day and time? And the devil offers these kingdoms to Jesus if he'll do just one thing, worship him. You can see at the core of this temptation here is the fact that Jesus has the opportunity take the easy route here right just bow down and worship me for a few minutes and I'll give you all the kingdoms now we know that Jesus is the one true king right we know that his kingdom is one that will never end and here Jesus is tempted to trade his kingdom his eternal true kingdom for the temporary kingdoms of the world now we often in scripture see heaven and earth contrasted don't we Jesus often preaches about the kingdom of heaven and it is in contrast to the kingdom of this world. We're told to store our treasures where? In heaven, not on earth. And we see this contrast here. And here, Jesus has the opportunity to cash in on the kingdoms of the world and this would be the opposite of why he came, right? To establish the kingdom of heaven. He did not come for the kingdoms of this world. He came to begin a new kingdom. And if Jesus would have fallen into this temptation, he would have opposed the Father and the Spirit and would have gone his own way. Notice the devil does not question his sonship in this temptation. I think, this, I think that Matthew places this temptation last because really it is the culmination of all temptations, isn't it? To give in to the evil one. Trade it in, Jesus. Your kingdom is too hard. Your kingdom will require too much sacrifice. Just simply bow down and worship me and it will all be yours in an instant. Really, that's the core of many temptations that we face, right? Take the shortcut. Take the easy way. Forget the sacrifice. Forget the commitment. Just go with what you want. Jesus responds in verse 8. Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God And serve him only. He calls the devil out. He affirms that worship is not for the evil one. But is for God alone. And he affirms his sonship. Even though he was not questioned directly here in this temptation. But he affirms it by saying I'm not going away from the father. I'm the son of God. Verses 9 through 11. We read of the third temptation. 
the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, notice this temptation begins with, if you are the son of God again. The devil is tempting Jesus to prove himself in this temptation. And interestingly enough, the devil is quoting scripture here. Do you see that? He is using the Bible to tell Jesus what he should do. I think that's intriguing here. But notice that he's quoting this passage out of context. He's taking the truth of God's word and he's twisting it for his own purposes. Look, Jesus, it says this in the Bible. Surely your father would not have a problem with you fulfilling scripture. But look at what lies at the heart of this temptation. Now if we look at the scripture, Psalm chapter 91, that's the scripture that the devil is quoting here. It's not really about the Messiah, it's really about anyone who follows God. It's this confidence that God will take care of us, that God will protect us, that God will care for us. If we have confidence that God is caring for us, we don't need to test God out. I mean, most of us would think it would be ludicrous, right, to climb to the top of a building and jump off and say, God, protect me, right? This temptation here is at the core of Jesus' trusting the Father, isn't it? It's Jesus saying, well, I'm going to test God. I'm going to see if God really meant what he said. And the devil is asking Jesus to question the Father, to put God to the test. Look at what Jesus says, verse 12. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus says, I trust the Father. I don't question him. I don't have to put him to the test. I don't have to prove to you that he'll protect me. You see, each of these temptations have something in common, don't they? Each of these temptations try to force the matter, right? Each of these temptations provides an opportunity for Jesus to take the shortcut, the easy route, to abandon God's mission to do his own thing. You see, Jesus' mission, and we know this as we, we've been in church for a while, we've heard the whole story, right? We, we know that his mission is to come and are to go and to give his life on a cross for you and me, ultimately to sacrifice himself for the sins of the world. And if Jesus would give in to these temptations, he would be thrown off track. You see, the attempt of the evil one here is to thwart the mission of God. He's trying to throw Jesus off track. Finally, in verse 13, we read this. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune, a more opportune time. Now think about this for a minute. The devil's not done, is he? He's still going to be there. He's still going to be whispering in Jesus' ear on multiple occasions, is it really worth it? He's going to whisper in his ear on multiple occasions, do you really have what it takes? Are you really the son of God? Maybe there's another way and Jesus will have to fight these temptations not just in the desert but his entire ministry and as we kind of fast forward all the way to Easter we remember Jesus in the garden right praying to the father is there another way and you have to know that Satan is right there the whole way now what do we do with the story we might say what does it mean for us in 2024 now, we, first of all, we might read it and celebrate the fact that Jesus did not give in to temptation. We understand this is a part of God's story, and we're thankful that he was faithful to fulfill his mission in the world. 
I read this quote a few years ago. I don't know the source, but I'll read it this morning. It says this, Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside of us until we try to fight it. And Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. And so as you read this story, we imagine Jesus in the desert, no food for 40 days. We, ima- we imagine these temptations pressing in on him, and they're real. They're, they're hitting Jesus hard to the core. You know, oftentimes we picture Jesus as just oblivious, you know, or just, you know, immune to temptation. But they're, they're getting to him, right? You have to think, there, there's even times when he, he's considering it, right? For 40 days this is happening. But Jesus stays strong. Jesus does what we would be unable to do. Jesus qualifies himself, right, by resisting temptation so that he can die for the sins of the world. And as we think about this, it incites worship in us. And we appropriately worship him as we read this text. But we must not let it stop there. We must understand that the evil one is still active and alive in our world today. And while we are not Jesus, we are not the Son of God, the devil is still trying to throw us off track. As we follow God in his mission, we too will be faced with temptation. For each of us, they are different. And we understand the devil knows each of us well. He knows that one temptation will be easy for one person, but difficult for another. And he's coming after us in ways that address our weaknesses And so we might ask ourselves the question, can we learn something from this text that might help us in our temptations? As we close this morning, allow me to just point out a few insights that I think are taught through this text. First of all, we see that Jesus is full of and led by the Spirit of God. I think that's a key point here. Jesus is full of and led by the Spirit of God. And as you and I fight, fight temptation in our lives, we must have the Spirit of God. We, we can't do this on our own. We all know that we are capable of failing without the Spirit of God in us. If we don't have God's Spirit, we're sitting ducks. On the one hand, if we don't have God's Spirit, you might say, that we might not be a high-priority target for the evil one, right? But the truth of the matter is that the devil wants to destroy every living being. He wants to keep every person from encountering God, and so he goes after everyone, God follower or not. But Jesus finds his strength in facing temptation through his connection with the Spirit. And may God give us his Spirit. May we remain connected to the Spirit as we fight temptation. And secondly, I think an important point here in this sermon and in this text is that Jesus responds to temptation with the Word of God. In every case, Jesus defends his position with Scripture. And if we're going to fight temptation, we need to be familiar with the Word of God. God's Word has the power to repel temptation. In Ephesians, Paul describes how we fight temptation. He speaks of our encounter with temptation as a battle. He uses battle language. He speaks of a belt and shoes and shields and a shield and a helmet. But the one offensive weapon that he mentions in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God's Word is our sword. Jesus uses it to fight temptation, and so should we. 
I'm not sure where you'd find yourself this morning. Perhaps each day is a battle for you, temptations far and wide. Perhaps you struggle less than others. Nevertheless, temptation often surprises you when you least expect it. This morning, may we be keenly aware of temptation. And may we follow Jesus' example in fighting temptation as we live by the Spirit of God and as we grow in the Word of God. Would you pray with me? God, we're grateful this morning for the story recorded in Luke. We're thankful, God, that we have insight into the ways that you were tempted and how you responded to temptation. We're, we're grateful, God, that you were faithful and did not give in. God, give us strength in that same way. God, give us your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. God, give us the knowledge of your word so that we can truly fight the temptations in our lives. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.